And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to No Dunks. We're getting closer, baby. This is preview five of five for the 2021-2022 NBA season. I'm Tass Mellis. With me are the bearded one, Trey Kirby. Hey-o! Hey-o! The international man of mystery, Lee Ellis. Friends. Mm. Lily. And the man making mm. the magic happen. It's JD. Hello. What's up, JD? We've got six more questions for you today, including surprise playoff teams from both conferences, players entering a make or break season, and we'll end it with our finals picks, of course. We've answered 25 cues to this point, so check out our first four episodes. One cue want to circle back on was players who need a nickname i asked you out there because i couldn't come up with one for terrence Mann, the player who plays all the positions for the clippers on preview four there got some answers from the crew the stream teamers the youtubers the tweeters macgyver man which i like Ooh, macgyver's not bad yeah, mm-hmm. yeah from charlie knockout a man for all seasons a couple people said <laughs> rich Tange and user shinbu you know it doesn't really roll off the tongue <laughs> a man for all seasons from the corner, you know. Yeah, that's a, that's a headline on a newspaper, though, for sure. <laughs> exactly, yeah. It's right in our puns for us. I just wonder, though, if someone went up to Terrence Mann and said, we're going to call you MacGyver, and he would go, who? <laughs> <laughs> totally, yeah. <laughs> I saw, I, I'm saying that because there was, uh, you know, how Seinfeld is out right now on Netflix. He was doing a whole lot of media the other day, and one of the interviewers said to him, uh, you know, came out in 1988, and he said, he said, yeah, you know what the number one comedy in 1988 was? Alf. And the interviewer had no idea what he was talking about. She's like, never heard of it. <laughs> Alpha short-lived, you know. Yeah, but it must have had a pretty good peak if it was number one in the... Uh, yeah, I can't believe Alf was the number one comedy on TV in 1988. Yeah. yeah. Good for Alf, though, you know. <laughs> uh, flying through the rest of them, Leatherman. David Leatherman. Now, Leatherman via our own JD during preview four, multi-use tool. You get man in there, Leatherman. That's a good one. The Universal Remote from Gregory Lieber. The Universal Remote. And Kama Sutra, because he can do all the positions <laughs> via Sam Ding. <laughs> Kama Sutra, 4-3. Yes. Uh, anyways, thanks for chiming in on all of our social media platforms, including TikTok. We're almost here next week, day in, day out. We will be talking basketball. We're back Monday to Friday, so subscribe wherever you're listening, wherever you're watching. And subscribe on No Buffs, because the guys finished recapping the latest episode of Survivor. It's a separate podcast, separate YouTube feed. What a show that was this week. Shan, Ricard, (laughs) and JD. Oh, my. It was a fun episode, so make sure you check out Trey, JD, and Jason Concepcion Network on Twitter, who joined for that show. All right, let's get into it today because we've got some great questions. Starting it off with surprise playoff teams, and we'll start in the Eastern Conference. Lee, who's your surprise playoff team in the East? 
Well, I think if you uh, to be a surprise team, you had to not make the playoffs last season. So I think you can already throw out Detroit, Orlando, and Cleveland. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. So it comes down to uh, the two homer teams, Chicago or <laughs> Toronto here. That's right. And I, I look, I'm going to go with the Raptors as a, as a surprise playoff team because, look, pretty much everything that went wrong for them last season could have gone wrong. They were down in Tampa. Everyone seemed to get injured at some point. Pascal, their sort of their, their new star player, he had a decent season numbers-wise, but his impact wasn't there. He also got into it a little bit with his coach. I think he got suspended a couple of games there throughout the season, or at least benched there from Nick Nurse. Remember, he had a couple of those game winners rim in and rim out. It just seemed everything went wrong for the Raptors. The free agent signings, Alex Lennon and Aaron Baines, basically failed immediately uh, when uh, when they lost Marcus Gasol there. Masai Jiri went big, and he got desperate, and uh, they didn't work. The Raptors couldn't trade Kyle Lowry, but Basically, he was gone at the deadline, and then he ended up staying. And I think it's really important now that that Lowry has moved on, and I think the Raptors can also move on because their championship team from two seasons ago really only has Pascal, OG, and Freddie there. I think Boucher was on the roster as well, but OG didn't even play in those playoffs either. So they've really kind of moved on, and this is a new start for them. So I think the Raptors... Uh, now, look, Pascal is going to be out for at least the first month or so here as well. So they're going to start off on a little bit of a back foot there. But I think what Masai Jiri did in the offseason was get a little bit better. Considering Kyle Lowry was gone for virtually nothing, they get Precious Achua there to fill in the big spot. And Goran Dragic, look, he's probably not going to be on this roster at the end of the season, but you know that while he is there in Toronto, he's going to play hard. He's going to come off the bench. He's going to provide that steady veteran, uh, you know, ability to score and to run the offense. I think that's really important here for the Raptors. He's not going to pout his way out of Toronto. He's going to try to play his way out to get to potentially a, a team that's a little bit closer to uh, competing for a championship. Gary Trent, nice pickup at the deadline last season. They re-signed him. And Scotty Barnes, has there been a more loved Raptors rookie <laughs> ever? I mean, no. everyone loves this guy. So um, I think, you know, when you look at Toronto again, just being back in Toronto, I think that's an important factor sure. that they're going to be, you know, living at home, staying at home, staying in their own beds. Um, and also toward the end of those uh, Eastern standings, you've got teams like Indiana, and uh, Washington, who, you know, they're, they're, the Raptors are kind of battling those teams. Now, what is the playoffs? Is it 10? Is it 8? I'm not sure. But the Raptors, I think, are going to be much closer uh, to competing for the playoffs this season than they were last season. They just couldn't get the season going last year. But I think, as I say, moving on from Kyle, that's now out of the way. The direction of the team is now in the younger players in Freddie, OG, and Pascal when he's healthy. So I think they can make a real push. Yeah. It's one of those teams, as as homerish as I am, the range is huge. <laughs> Pascal Siakam not being there for the first oh, time. Oh, yeah, baby, rev it, up. rev it up. Where are we getting? Where are we getting that from? Was that mine? I got no idea. Anybody? That was a that was a blast off. I don't know. I just. <laughs> I think that it sounded like a sound effect that JD laid in. If I'm being quite honest, like as soon as as soon as the conversation changes to another guy, he drops in a a live drop of a leaf blower going. That was great throughout the show. Yeah. Every time we switch guys, JD just, just rev it up. You just give this podcast a little bit of life. Uh, yeah, I think it was me. I think somebody is riding a, a low rider. A low-riding Audi in my neighborhood. I think that that's what that was. Anyway, um, Pascal Siakam out for the entire first month is that really hurts. And, and I, 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 I want to jump on the train. I, I definitely do. Um, I, I want to jump on the Scotty Barnes. I want to dro- jump on the OG train. He looks phenomenal. Trey picked him as most improved player in that Pascal Siakam light. 
I get it. I totally get it. it it's just the, the range of this team is it, sort of dependent on guys yeah, being healthy. I mean, we don't even know about Pascal Siakam, whether or not he's going to be playing in in this calendar year. Yeah, he should be back in a month, but uh, I'm not going to get too high or too low. I, I definitely do think the home court factor is real. I'll take you through the Toronto Blue Jays record in 2021 because <laughs> here we go, yeah, yeah, because they didn't play at home. They started off in Buffalo. They were 12 and 11. They went to Dunedin, Florida. They were 10 and 11. So 500 teams. They had one game in Anaheim as a home game. What? I don't know how that happened. They were 0 and 1. They lost that game. Then they came back to Toronto and they're 25 and 11. Uh, I think that that is a, a real factor, uh, but. <sighs> You know, they kind of got it together then when they when they went back home to Toronto. The Blue Jays did, but the Raptors it feels like there's going to be so many iterations of this team even this season. So I don't I don't feel that steady Freddie about it at all. It just it feels like this this roster's up in the air. You mentioned Goran Dragic who is playing to be on another team. I think he looks really good in the preseason. He's kind of running three point line to three point line and banging home shots and looking good doing that. We mentioned, you know, Dallas is a, Trey mentioned Dallas as a, a great partner for that for him if he were to go there to play alongside Luka Doncic. So I I just scared that injuries. So many iterations of this team. I'm not I'm not getting too high on this team. <laughs> uh, not not yet, Trey. I, I know you're down on this squad. Well, the Raptors don't have a Vladimir Guerrero Jr. I don't think has. <laughs> and I think that's going to be the problem because Siakam, like you're saying, coming into the season, uh, banged up. We're not sure when he returns. And when he has been the number one guy, he hasn't been hitting 50 homers, you know? He's been going for 30 homers and a 270 average or something like that. I don't know. That's actually probably pretty <laughs> yeah, good in the bad. NLBs yeah, yeah. these days. MVP, baby. Well, yeah, it's not, well, it's not MVP-type <laughs> levels. And I think that's the problem is that the Raptors haven't found that number one guy, and that guy isn't on the roster. And with Kyle Lowry leaving, it is a downgrade to Goran Dragic. I'm sure they will be a really solid defensive team. There's no doubt about that, but... Improvement-wise, they brought in Precious Achua. He couldn't really stay in the rotation for the Heat last year. Year two, probably improves, but he's still coming into a new system. Ken Birch is the other guy who could be playing at center for the Raptors. Better than Aaron Baines, but not a top-notch center here. They got four good starters who work well together, and it'll be interesting to see what Scotty Barnes gives them. I just think the Raptors are probably going to struggle offensively. Um as compared to their defense, which should be solid. So we'll see. It seems to me that um, the big pitch for the Raptors this year is that they are playing at home. Mm. And that's definitely going to be an advantage compared to 72 games on the road. But if your biggest improvement is that you get to play home games, then I don't think you did much on the basketball court to improve your team. Yeah, it's really like the, the, the Raptors' strength is the Bulls' weakness and vice versa, really. You know, the Raptors defensively have got a lot of guys there, whereas the Bulls on the other end of the court, they could lead the league in scoring, but they don't necessarily have guys to stop. So these these two teams are going to be in a pretty good battle. I mean, the Bulls shouldn't be in that battle. The Bulls should be in the playoffs, in that in that top eight spot there, uh, you know, in, in that, you know, secured position, because uh, I think they are better. But I just sort of feel, you know, with the Raptors, that, that Kyle Lowry cloud as well just sort of hung over the team. And, and, and now they can move on from him. So, you know, Freddie talked about it in uh, his preseason uh, press conference, basically just saying, you know, him and Kyle and Siakam didn't have great chemistry. So now things, maybe they're different there that Pascal can, uh, you know, be, be more of the man now that he understands clearly that it, I mean, 
he it, it should be his team. It should be Pascal's team when he comes back there. So, you know, he had such an ascension as well, Pascal. He went from kind of nothing to all of a sudden starting in the All-Star game. I think he was All-NBA too. And then yep. he kind of dropped off. So he wasn't able to really sort of hold on to that, uh, those expectations. But now he's had a good off-season to sort of expect what he's going to go into this season is as being the man. And when he does come back, hopefully he's a little more uh, capable of handling those responsibilities. I think this is a good pick, though, for a surprise playoff team because you're kind of rightly. It does feel like the Bulls and the Raptors will be in the mix there along with a few other teams, maybe like the Hornets and the Pacers. But as Jason Fire 34 says in the stream team, are the Bulls even a surprise when everyone <laughs> is hyping them up? I think that's exactly right. You know, they had a big offseason. They made a lot of splashy moves, and everybody is expecting them to improve on last season, even if it's a minor improvement in for the John Hollingers in the world. But that's my surprise team. I personally won't be surprised if they uh, do make it into the playoffs this year because I look at the teams that they're going to be sort of in the same standings with the Boston Celtics. The Bulls went 2-1 and against the Celtics last year, 3-0 and against the Hornets. Who else do we got? Uh, Toronto Raptors, the Bulls went 3-0 and against them. They went 2-1 and against the Washington Wizards, and they went 2-1 and against the Indiana Pacers. The Bulls were a better team than all of these sort of play-in teams last year. It was just a matter of getting smoked by any team that they played who was over 500. Certainly, they've improved last year, and I think it's interesting that you say the Bulls' weakness is defense, Lee, while the Raptors' strength is defense, because the Bulls had a better defense than the Raptors last season. Bulls finished 11th in defense. I don't think people realize that at this point because you come in, you see Vooch is there, you see DeMar DeRozan, two guys who are not known for their defensive prowess, and certainly you're not expecting them to be locked down. But I think you can make a serviceable defense for a team that's going to be very good offensively. Yeah, and that's where one of those cases where you look at the stats and they sort of deceive you in that way. You think you just, just didn't didn't feel like the Bulls had the 11th best defense in the league last season. But, you know, and, and again, we, like people, we are sort of dismissive of DeRozan's defense, but he's not like just a sieve there, you know, like he's a veteran who hold his, uh, hold his ground. It's just not, he's not like a rim protector or a great help defender, but he rarely sort of just gets destroyed one-on-one by guys because he, he you know, he knows how to move and he knows how to get to position. So, and you expect a, a guy like him to be somewhat of a leader on that team on the defensive end. Say, so, listen, guys, we're not a great unit, so we have to work hard. So, yeah, I, I, I mean, the Bulls, they, they have to be sort of out of this like uh, play-in tournament um, region. I think they need to be. They should be better than that, considering the investment they've put in. I mean, yeah, they better <laughs> make yes, the playoffs. Yes, they should. They yeah. better they make they the playoffs. Ha- I mean, they should be gunning for number six. That should be yeah. the Bulls' goal: is to try and get to the sixth seed. And I think it's reasonable to end up in the sixth seed, but I would not lock it in. I would be no. happy with a play-in tournament appearance. <laughs> <laughs> All the draft capital they gave up, everything that they've put into it, they're going for it, essentially. But it's not going to be easy in the East because, to me, the Nets, Bucks, Sixers, and Hawks are the top four-ish teams. Throw the heat in there. Those are the five teams that are locks. Then, yeah. then you're fighting for the, the sixth spot to avoid the play-in tournament. I think the Celtics will be up there. They were a 500 team last year. They played better than that. They're, both their stars were hurt. The Knicks are also part of that. They, they, they should be in that. They're 10 games over 500 last year in a 72-game season. So that's seven teams I just rolled off there. That's seven. And so you know, what, who's in this play-in tournament mix? It's those, those teams you mentioned off the top there, Lee, like Pacers, Wizards, Hornets, Raptors, and Bulls, those – 
if if one of if the Raptors or Bulls can jump into the play-in tournament, you're right. It's sort of a success because those are or for the Bulls even because that those are the teams that they should be gunning for. Uh, they got to be gunning for six with everything that they put into this season. So you said the Raptors. You guys said the Raptors and Bulls are the surprises. They they should be at, at the very very least in the play-in tournament mix. I went with a more of a shocker factor with my pick for a surprise playoff team. You dismiss the Cavs, Lee, but I'm taking the Cleveland <laughs> Cavaliers. I know. I know. It's a dumb pick off the bat, but I, I believe uh, that this team is kind of balanced pretty well for a, a, a little run. The fact that Colin Sexton likes to take most of the shots won't matter on this team because they've got a bunch of defenders who don't want to shoot in Jared Allen, Evan Mobley as a rook. And Isaac Okori, they, they can worry about defense. Well, Sexton can just go off. He had 24 points per game last year. I think he can do even more of that. And then Darius Garland can worry about the playmaking in the starting unit. Again, those those guys uh, as a backcourt there, Sexland, never want to break up. Mm. Uh, Colin Sexton and Darius Garland, they started off 10 and 11 last year. Oh, yeah. Uh, I remember. Yeah. <laughs> And then uh, it was a beeline for the basement. They had the, the yeah. coach issue there. Um, and, uh, yeah, we're, <laughs> showing, we're yeah. showing you the sex land yeah. photo right there. Lee was hot yeah. on him. I get it. I get it. There's a solid. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Andre Drummond was playing well for them at the, mm -hmm. the start of the season. And then they just decided, no, let's get away from all this. So that was kind of disappointing because it was like it was working. I mean, you didn't expect them to really necessarily keep up that pace at 500. But they really did fall off i mean there was definitely all-star buzz around sexton early on he can score defensively i think they've also got some issues but jared allen addresses that somewhat for them for sure sure and evan mobley's shown in the preseason that guy can move his feet isaac okoro can play defense mm -hmm. uh so they yeah backcourt hey you guys play offense uh frontcourt you guys play defense we'll see how that works it, it, it just kind of lines up for a team that could overachieve a little bit because then you check the bench Kevin Love knows what he is at this point of his career, having gone through what he's gone through the last couple of years. Him and Rubio, man, the, the, the Minnesota connection is back. Uh, him and Rubio are the Cleveland Cavaliers bench, and Larry Markinen will help out that second unit. I don't think it's horrendous. Uh, it's it's, it's uh, got the signs of a team that could be decent. The problem is that the Eastern Conference is not a joke. In, by any means, mentioning all those teams and, and the teams like the Indiana Pacers are always around. The Wizards are always around. The Charlotte Hornets should be better. So it, it's it's kind of fun that we have 10 spots for these Eastern Conference teams because there there will be legitimately 10 very good teams. Uh, and uh, it'll be a fight going down to the Ryer. So I, I think uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers, it feels weird. feels weird coming out of my mouth, but... I don't hate it. I don't hate it looking up and down their roster uh, as far as the balance goes. So cool. It would be a surprise to me if the Cavs make the playoffs. I think 30 wins for Cleveland is a solid season. For sure. Yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be hard to break through the guys, teams like the, yeah, the Bulls and Raptors. But yeah, a play-in tournament, I'm counting as a playoff appearance for the Cleveland Cavaliers. Same, same. All right, next one here. Let's get to the individual players. Which player? enters a make-or-break season. Trey, start us off. I don't know if this is technically a make-or-break season, but I'm going to be watching Joel Embiid very closely this mm. season because it feels to me that 100% of the Philadelphia 76ers' problems have been put onto Ben Simmons, and you understand the reason why. We all saw the passed-up dunk against the Hawks in Game 7, but at the time, the Sixers were down two with three minutes and 30 seconds left when he passed that up. 
that's not an untenable situation to be in. A one-possession game, Matisse Thibault goes, he makes the free throw. They're down by one with 3.30 left, but the team totally melted down. Embiid himself, a massive turnover, down four with a minute left. Simmons wasn't on the court. So to me, I put a little bit of blame on Joel Embiid for that loss last year just because he didn't steady the ship. And honestly, since that moment with Ben Simmons passing up the shot, poor leadership from Joel Embiid. He didn't bring the team back. He was kind of pouting down the stretch. Obviously, in the postseason press conference, he completely buried Ben Simmons, as did Doc Rivers. Uh, You know, that burned the bridge right there. There was seemingly no way that Ben Simmons could come back. Ergo, they had no relationship over the summer. Eventually, Joel Embiid has to answer so many Ben Simmons questions in training camp that he calls out Elton Brand for trading Jimmy Butler. I can't imagine that went over very well in the front office. So now Philadelphia, with Ben Simmons returning, either has to figure out a way to patch things up with Simmons, which will be a lot on Joel Embiid, a difficult thing to kind of do, or they're going to have to adjust to playing without a guy who's been an all-NBA, all-star player and is vital to their defense and their creation out there. Because right now, the best creator on the team outside of Joel Embiid, if Simmons isn't playing, is Tobias Harris, who is not a passer. You're going to see a lot on the shoulders of Tyrese Maxey and Seth Curry, Furkan Korkmaz, Shake Milton, guys who could easily have their limitations shown now that they have to take a little bit bigger role there with the Sixers. The Sixers, if they're going to be one of the top four teams in the Eastern Conference, which you would think is still a possibility. It's all on Embiid now. He's got to be at an MVP level every single night. He's got to stay healthy. He's got to be as good in the playoffs as he was during the regular season. A lot of times it feels like Embiid slows down over the course of an NBA season, especially once he gets into the postseason and things get a little bit tougher. There's a lot on Joel Embiid's shoulders right now. He has got to be a leader for the Philadelphia 76ers. Because there's nobody else. There's nobody else who's going to be getting the spotlight now. Brett Brown, he's out of here. A new GM, Daryl Morey, is in town. Ben Simmons (laughs) is out of the picture. I mean, he's in the picture, but he's not part of the long-term plans. It comes down to Joel Embiid at this point. So I'm interested to see how he handles having to carry the entire franchise on his shoulders, though I'm sure he's felt that way since, you know, a couple of seasons. Yeah, I think the end of that game where Ben Simmons didn't take... The, the easy shot and uh, great tweets going around right now of Trey Young in his path yeah. in his direction and and uh, yeah the 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 original tweet is if this gets like twenty five times I'll make Trey Young smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller for every twenty five <laughs> likes and Trey Young gets smaller and smaller Ben Simmons had an easy dunk yeah he gave it up for a free throw to to Matisse Thybul went for one for two everything went down the hill from there that worries me because. If Ben Simmons isn't around, those last three and a half minutes where Joel Embiid wasn't able to finish the job there in Game 7, I think will be a a bit of a story this season. Because as you said, Trey, it's just been hard for Joel Embiid to carry a team in the regular season and then show up in the playoffs. It just seems like he he wears on as games go on and as the season goes on and and as the playoffs go on. He needed somebody to give him a hand. And I just wonder, as you said, uh, if Ben isn't around and Tobias has to step up and Seth has to step up, maybe Joel Embiid. Again, this is, if there are old, you know, 27-year-old knees in the league, they're his. Uh, he's, that's just, that's just how, how it is watching him every game. He comes out in the first quarter. He comes out in the third quarter. He's amazing. He does his job, obviously, in the fourth quarter as well. But it's, 
it is going to be a lot on his shoulders. It does remind me a, a little bit of the, the 2020 playoffs when Ben Simmons was out and Embiid had to do that. And it was just a struggle. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, it's going to be a it's, that's all we're going to be thinking about until Ben Simmons is traded is what is happening with Ben Simmons. What is that? What package is coming back for, for, from ben, for Ben to help out Joel? Yeah, and Joel Embiid has just got to stay on the floor too, I guess, as much as he can. I mean, they clinched that number one seed last season with him only playing 51 games during the regular season out of 72. But he had a great season. I think Doc Rivers really was able to get through to him. Like, you can be kind of like Shaq down there. No one can really stop you. You're too big, too strong. And he's pretty athletic still for a big, heavy guy there. Uh, so they certainly need regular season Embiid to show up for them in the playoffs. And and I think you make a good point there, Trey. Like, that, there was enough time for the Sixers to overcome Come that Ben Simmons uh, brain fart there underneath the you know underneath the hoop, but they weren't able to do it. Almost like that sort of just deflated the whole team. But you can't yeah. have that mentality in a game seven at home when you've really been in control of the entire series. So someone else had to step up, and uh, unfortunately for the uh, Sixers, it was Trey Young who hit that huge three uh, that really set him going. But um, anyway, yeah, it's 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 a crazy situation there in Philadelphia because Embiid finished second in MVP voting last season, and uh, you know. You know that he is a dominant player, but dominance isn't just about the putting the numbers on the board. You have to sort of show that leadership and also, you know, like keep the th- keep things calm when things get a little bit stressed, a little bit heavy uh, in those critical moments. So that is going to be uh, crucial for, for MB to be able to take that next uh, evolution in his leadership role. All right, Lee, who is uh, your make or break player? Is it Ben Simmons? No, it's no. It's, I'm going with uh, Dallas Mavericks monster Kristaps Porzingis because uh, Porzingis was very bad in that first round against the LA Clippers. In fact, you know he had three games where he scored in double digits or less than double digits, I should say, and that really. I mean, they needed him to step up. He had a, his highest game was 20 points, and the real concern as well is if Porzingis isn't scoring and it's understandable if guys aren't going to be hot the entire series shooting the ball but he only had one game as well where he had more than six rebounds for a game that's just not good enough for me like you need to be out there at least doing something else he had you know whether you're blocking shots just being a factor when you're seven foot four like he is you should be able to get double digit rebounds easily in uh in, in games like that so mm, i think seven three seven three let's let's try okay 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 yeah maybe a boba but honestly boban i thought was actually more was better for them later in that series when when rick carlos started him um but Porzingis, look he's got that big contract he's got at least another guaranteed year before he has a player option in that final year at about 36 million i think it was so you know the he, he the, the the mavericks got the star there to pair alongside Luka Doncic. They got the big franchise guy from New York. No one really saw that coming. But Porzingis hasn't been able to really live up to that hype. Yes, yes, yes. He's has, he has his moments and he has his games where he's like, okay, he's looking really good. But too often, he's also he shrinks from the big moments. And I think that's really crucial. I think the Mavericks, if they can, they'll trade him. I think they do need to move on from him. But I think with a new coach there and Jason Kidd, and uh, we'll see how that goes. If Jason Kidd can somehow unlock Chris Tapsworthingus to be a really dominant player, then that's going to be huge for the Mavericks. If not, though, if he just kind of is, is running from end to end and putting up, you know, moderate numbers, it's not really going to get the Mavericks closer to the championship. So, and and you know, Luca entering his third season here, uh, or is it fourth? No, third. How many we've we played now? Fourth. fourth yeah. It is fourth season. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, they they need to have that reliable guy 
alongside Doncic, and, and I'm not sure it's Porzingis. But his ceiling is still, you know, that the potential is still there. We just need to see it consistently throughout a season, and then we really need to see it in the playoffs because uh, he was very, very ordinary against the uh, the Clippers. Yeah, we all saw that bubble run. All bubble team, Chris Stapp's Porzingis, and that's honestly what the Mavericks need for a whole season. I guess the encouraging thing for Dallas would be that for the first time in a long time, Porzingis went into an offseason without having to rehab an injury. So it's just straight up getting better at basketball, which will be huge for them. I don't know what to think about Jason Kidd really wanting to post up Chris Stapp's Porzingis. Mm. It seems like it makes sense, right? You see a big, tall guy, 7'3 or 7'4, depending <laughs> on your reporting. <laughs> but he's got no boosts. So I hope he's been yeah. doing a bunch of squats during the offseason because you would think... You know, seeing a very tall guy in a Dallas Mavericks jersey who can shoot the ball, you want to see a little bit of Dirk from Chris Stapp's Porzingis. You want to see him, even if he's not a post-up masher, get him the ball in the high post and let him shoot a fadeaway and count that as money because he's got to be able to punish the switches anytime a smaller guy ends up on him. And Porzingis hasn't always been able to do that. So, yeah, the Mavericks, you know, it's almost become the Tim Hardaway trade for them. Yeah. He got re-signed to another deal this year, and he's instrumental, a nice fit alongside Luka. That's what people thought Porzingis was going to be because a tall guy who can shoot threes, who can protect the rim, he's got to be able to do that. And, you know, I, I haven't focused as much on the defensive end for Porzingis just because we want to see him producing more offensively, but he doesn't move quite as well as he used to. He's not a real side-to-side guy, so they got to figure out a way that makes sense to unlock him as a rim protector as a guy who's going to contribute defensively outside of just rebounding. So, yeah, I'm with you, Lee. Big season for Porzingis. Yeah, it is make or break for him being a star player again. It's not make or break for him being in the league anymore because, no. yeah, he's got two more years. Pretty sure he's going to take that player option of 36-plus uh, two years from now. He's got a you know 33, so it's about 69 Nice. There it is. Uh, owed to him over the next two seasons. <laughs> uh, or, you know, it's it's a thing where maybe his body just can't keep up. You mentioned the defensive end, Trey. If he's got to do that, uh, plus he is, uh, you know, he's got more responsibility under Jason Kidd on the offensive end. I just don't know if he can overcome his injuries good enough to do it over regular season and postseason again. And it's easy me playing uh, – armchair doctor over here but if you look the regular season the numbers are pretty good he's 20 points per game the last three years but Mm -hmm. playoffs ended early two seasons ago in the bubble with an injury and then he faded in last year's playoffs to more of a you know role player role where he was 14 points per game Uh, it's jason kidd i worry is that he's he's going to put more um you know, more responsibility on Kristaps' shoulders. I, I think he's there to give him positive reinforcement to try and bring Kristaps back uh, to what Kristaps thought he was going to be when he was in New York, Nick. He's going to let him run wild, mid-range shots even, uh, the post-touches. He said in the preseason, he's just going to give him the ball. He wants him to be that star, and that's what they're hoping for. Then he's got to go play defense. I just don't know if his body can do it. And uh, that's the, what the the Mavs thought they were trading for. They thought they were they were trading for a guy that they could rehabilitate because he had that major injury in New York and they thought mm-hmm. well, our, our, our coach staff can do this. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's that, that all that talent. I, I do want to see him in the mid range because that I, when I think back to his Knicks all-star run, he's an all-star uh, before, uh, before he got injured there. I think of him in the post. I think of him just taking any, every player everywhere, but yeah, the injury that season has seemed to wore him down, wear him down. And it's, 
it hasn't stopped really. Uh, the bubble was a great run for a few games, and then he left that uh, series against the Clippers with an injury. One more player I want to get to as a make or break guy. Skeets actually chimed in. He wanted this on the books. Marvin Bagley the third as mm. a make or break player. I totally agree because you just mentioned Luca Lee as a guy drafted in 2018, going to year four. The guys around Marvin Bagley in that draft, they're getting extended all over the place. Luca. Yeah. And Trey, there's talk about DeAndre Ayton up there at the top of the draft. And his star should be shining brighter and brighter as he gets older here. But it, it appears to be dimming, mainly because, number one, he's been injured a lot. He's averaged 40 games per season through his first three years. But uh, even last year, it was his healthiest year. His numbers are 15 and 7. It's just about the place he was drafted, really. like that. Those numbers are fine, you know, 15 and 7 off the bench. Uh, but maybe, you know, hopefully for him, that could be a building block because he was generally healthy last year. And hopefully Luke Walton will put him in the starting lineup at some point for him because he played the entire season off the bench. And I know uh, Marvin Bagley Sr., I guess he's Marvin Bagley II, he chimed in uh, once upon a time and he said, why is my boy not in the starting lineup? I, I get it, uh, but the thing is, he's an undersized four. He has to play defense on a very, 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 very bad defensive team, the worst defensive team. So I don't know how Luke Walton sticks him in there because it kind of hurts Marvin Bagley to have Fox and Buddy, De'Aaron Fox and, and Buddy, as your starting backcourt. They're they're a sieve backcourt. That, that's just the way it is. Uh, so I think it would help Marvin Bagley if Buddy Heald was traded and Buddy didn't have to play as much because then Mar- there'd be a reason to throw Marvin Bagley into the starting lap. And, and Buddy, I think, is one of those guys who was definitely on the block. He was almost traded for uh, Russell Westbrook uh, this past season. Or, excuse me, not Russell Westbrook. He was almost traded to the Lakers in, in the offseason. So the starting lineup, uh, I, I know Skeets also said that this would be his must-watch league pass team with De'Aaron Fox, <laughs> Buddy Heald, Harrison Barnes, Rashawn Holmes. It's... It's interesting. It's interesting enough, but uh, you know, if you're if you're uh, Marvin Bagley and you don't play defense, I can I can see why Luke Walton would keep him coming off the bench, and unless you're getting Halliburton or uh, off night Davian uh, Mitchell in there, Davian mm. um, Mitchell. Mitchell, yeah, yeah, he he if they get him in there, then Bagley can probably play some more. But this is uh, this is a huge year because those extensions have come and. It has not come for uh, Marvin yeah, well, he did, but he just hasn't been able to stay healthy. I think that's the biggest problem. I mean, he played like sixty only... games last year, though. Uh, was it that many? I yeah. don't think he got that many. You know, he only nah, played he... 40, 40 games. He played sixteen. And he his... started the majority of his games last yeah. year. The problem is he just can't defend, and he's too skinny. Like he gets outplayed by Rashawn Holmes, and the Kings yeah, went and paid sure, Rashawn yeah. Holmes rather than bringing, rather than extending Marvin Bagley. Rashawn Holmes is a great find, and he was one of the better personnel moves that the Kings have made in the past couple of seasons. But uh, if you're the number two pick and you're not outperforming an undrafted guy who was brought in as a free agent, that's a problem. I think that for Bagley to have success, he's going to have to be somewhere else besides Sacramento. Yeah, I, I think that's what it's going to come down to as well. Is uh, He's got the talent. He's young enough. Uh, he's had injuries, but it's also been a, a not a great situation there for him. But... You know, if he can, if he can just stay on the court and 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 you know improve the defense, we know because that three point shot's not too bad on him. So uh, there's the talent there, but he's got to sort of he's got to make another team really want to get him and, and and sort of work with him and and make him into that, you know, that number two potential that you expect from a guy that high. All right, we got to take a break, but uh, getting to a couple awards, of course, our finals picks, all that after the break. 
Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Back with no dunks. We got two more awards to predict here in our previews. First one, sixth man of the year. I'll start us off. I'm buying some preseason hype. I've watched Tyler Hero of the Miami Heat, and I'm digging it. He looks phenomenal, and he is ready. Whether or not he has the ball in his hand or he's coming off, Uh, picks or whatever he's doing he looks like a different player to me and he went from the high of the finals the bubble heat as a rookie he probably didn't know how to go into an offseason after that especially because it was a shortened season so he wasn't as good in in year two and then a very disappointing playoffs at nine points per game last year so I'm going to blame some of that on youth it happens and he's got to be focused on having a bounce back year And he's got a good spot to win this award with the Miami Heat because they're such a top-heavy team. So Hero is going to be relied upon for scoring. You can rely on Kyle Lowry, Jimmy Butler, Duncan Robinson, Bam on that team. But P.J. Tucker is the other uh, starter, I should say, most likely. And then the bench of Markeith Morris, Max Struess, great name, but I don't know how much he's going to score. And Victor Oladipo (laughs) and Dwayne Dedman. Uh, there's not a lot of scoring on that bench and Jimmy um, will want Tyler here to go off. I think Jimmy, you know, wants all his guys to get going, especially because Jimmy's getting a little bit longer in the tooth. He's an old 32 Mm -hmm. and uh, he's not the most durable of players, even though, uh, you know, he'll be there in the end and he'll be fighting in the postseason. Uh, Tyler hero is going to have a chance. And I don't think I'm just buying the preseason hype. I think all that hype for him being a guy that, uh, was in trade rumors for potentially for a guy like Drew Holiday or whoever. He was almost a can't-touch player for the Miami Heat, uh, although uh, apparently the Raptors could have had him. Don't buy that. But anyway, uh, he scored. He was going off this pretty scored 14 straight in a quarter. It's getting me hyped for basketball. He had 51 points in his first 50 minutes on the court. So I'm taking Tyler Hero uh, as uh, the sixth man of the year. Solid pick. He's only going to be 22 years old this year. And when you look at the stats from last season and having watched him, it definitely feels like he took a step back. But really, he just didn't shoot the ball as well as he shot it during his rookie year and especially during the bubble run. So, yeah, the playmaking increased. The scoring, you know, is about the same per 36 as it was during his rookie season. But the Heat have kind of bet on Tyler Hero being their young guy that's going to progress and kind of lead them into, or at least be the bridge between the current era and whatever the next era of the Miami Heat is. So yeah, they've got the confidence in him. Uh, He's a confident player. He looks like he's put on a little bit of muscle. So I'm expecting a bounce back solid season from Hero as well. Yeah, and I think Lowry being there takes away some of the playmaking responsibilities from Hero. And he can just be a guy who puts it in the hole. They they had high expectations after what happened in the bubble 
understandably so. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they, you know, set Goran Dragic free. They, they pushed Goran Dragic to the side last year, and they said, you know, Tyler Hero, you do some stuff with the ball. Do it, do it, do it. And I think uh, the responsibility will be lessened this year, so he's, he's a good candidate for this award. Lee, who you got for sixth man of the year? It's five episodes into the season, and I finally get to say his name, Kevin Huerta. <laughs> from the oh. <laughs> yeah, look, he was uh, he was really good last season uh, in the regular season. I thought he was good for most of the playoffs as well. He actually got into the starting lineup a little bit there for the Hawks. And that's the thing. I, I'm expecting DeAndre Hunter, uh, if, if he's healthy, he will start. And I think Kevin Huerta will return to his bench role. And he's very good at that because he comes out, shoots a ball about 35% from downtown. He's actually kind of uh, a decent rebound and decent defender too for a guy of his position. You sort of don't expect him to be so, but he is. And so I like the Hawks, what they've got this season. I think if he can become, uh, you know, that leader off the bench, I think Cam Reddish, actually, who also played well when he came into the team uh, against the Milwaukee Bucks there, he's probably going to be getting some heavy minutes as well and scoring a lot. So he might even take a little bit of the shine off uh, Huerta there. But uh, I like what I saw from him. And, you know, the Hawks, like like with every team, health is a big factor. But uh, if Kev can come out there and hit those threes, he can be getting those Corva kisses. <laughs> That'll be the Kevin kisses from now on when I'm down there at the Fortress. So <laughs> Kev. <laughs> Kev Huerta. It's funny that you had him because I actually had Kevin Herter for my pick for sixth man of the year. But if nobody's going to take Jordan Clark's and might as well, right? Like, he is the big-time favorite here. He obviously won it last year. He will likely lead the league in scoring off the bench again. So he seems like a smart pick, but I'm with you, Lee. Herter's a fun guy to choose because he has gotten better at the things he wasn't quite as good at as his season, or as his career has progressed. Came in maybe just as a Corver Kisses kind of shooter, but now he was making plays off the dribble against yeah. the Philadelphia 76ers. He's got the size to rebound. He can play a little bit of defense. And it definitely feels like his role is going to be as a sixth man who can do a little bit more than just shoot from the outside. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he, he has got a nice game to him. And uh, that's what I like about it. He, he, I mean, this award tends to go to whoever scores the most points. That's usually what it is. And I think Jordan Clarkson was that last season. And obviously Crawford and, and Lou Williams in the past. So he may not lead the league in bench scoring, but I can definitely see him uh, averaging double digits in scoring and shooting the ball well and then just playing you know a, a big role on that Hawks second unit because uh, you know I, again this is a team that I believe is going to be much better and that second unit has to be solid they can't just rely on on Trey and John Collins and uh, and and you know the, the rest of the starters there so uh, I'm I'm hoping for Kev and I'll see him next Thursday night down at the Fortress against the Mavericks against Chris Stapps it'll be Kev versus Chris Stapps game one what a start to the season I can't wait mm. Tassie you're going aren't you Oh, for sure, Leo. Standing room only, no doubt. <laughs> uh, yeah, six- what do you think about this as a nickname, Tass, from Abatino in the stream team? Red Hot Chili Herder. <laughs> Kevin Red Hot Chili Herder. That's not bad. Again, if you said that to somebody I was standing beside in uh, standing room only in, in State Farm Arena, Red Hot Chili, who, who is that? Who? Red Hot Chili Hooter? I don't know who that is. Uh, it's, it's not bad. It's not bad. He does have red hair. It's a good fit. It's a good fit. I get it. Um, Kev is a good nickname, too, though. Kind of like Kev. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, there's just so many guys that when we go down there in six days from now, I can't believe it's only six days from now, Lee, though, that come off the bench and we'll take some reps from Kevin Herter. You mentioned mm. Cam Reddish. Nate McMillan said this guy is going to play 25 minutes a game. He's looking at, at playing a lot on the wing there. They've got Lou Williams still. Yeah, they signed him, yeah. They've got DeLon Wright as their backup guard who's going to handle it because he he's solid. He's you know could be the best backup point guard in the league, so that's... I don't know if he's going to be the sixth man, I guess, but he's so good. The Hawks have to make a trade. Uh, they, to me, they do. I, I know they're they're a really deep team, um, but I, I think uh, Travis Schlank is thinking, sitting there thinking, what, how are we going to get better? And I, I know they've got a, a very solid roster, but if they could package a couple of those young guys for a star, that's what they got to be hoping for, I assume. Anyways, let's move on uh, to Coach of the Year chatter. Trey, who you got? I'm going with Michael Malone of the Denver Nuggets as my coach of the year. Part of it is because I feel like we haven't talked about the Denver Nuggets at all, and they're still going to be a really solid team. They've got the reigning MVP in Nikola Jokic. Obviously, no Jamal Murray to start the season, and who knows what he'll look like when he finally makes his return. But Michael Porter Jr. seems primed for a breakout season. He had a great second half last year. Um, and we're looking forward to seeing him build on it. The Aaron Gordon is still around. Uh, I think Jeff Green is now on the Denver Nuggets, so you know that means a playoff appearance is in the wings. Uh, but, yeah, I think the Nuggets, they're not going to be as good as they were last year. They were a championship contender until Jamal Murray went down. Still got a win in the first round of the playoffs and then got smoked by the Suns uh, in four games, ending with Nikola Jokic hitting Cam Nose. Cam Cam that nose pain hit him right in the nose and it just fell apart you know basically the Nuggets ran out of players they didn't have the guards to compete against the Phoenix Suns and you know their guards are still not going to be top of the pops right now but Jamal Murray will return eventually I'm not expecting a huge season from him anything that he provides the Nuggets will be gravy on top but I don't think they're going to fall off that hard just because Jokic is so good and if the Nuggets are able to somehow get um, a first round playoff series at home if they're a top four seed I can see some votes going Michael Malone's way yeah it's a similar reason to why I think Nikola Jokic is a legitimate repeat MVP candidate because expectations are so low and that that could bode well for Michael Malone it's crazy to think of Jokic as a a, an under the right radar MVP candidate because he just freaking won it but no one is talking about the Denver Nuggets there's just uh, enough air for the Lakers and the Suns even a little little jazz talk in there Uh, and obviously the Warriors are taking so much of the air and then the Blazers and the Mavs so no one is talking about the Denver Nuggets so Michael Malone could sneak in there he could sneak in there, and sometimes I think voters want this to be a little bit of a uh, a lifetime accomplishment award. And and Michael Malone had a, a really good season last year, and and you know they're kind of a year behind, is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. So so maybe you know they give a a few extra votes to uh, Michael Malone. So that's a good one, Trey. What do you got, Lee? Yeah, I mean this award, like the six man, tends to go to the guy with the most points. This award tends to go certainly to one of the coaches who has the most wins second or third and I'm not sure the Nuggets can win that many games that Malone will get that recognition that's why I'm kind of taking the uh, the easy way out I'm going with Mike Budenholzer because I think the Bucks can win 60 plus games uh, and did you have you guys seen Giannis shooting the ball so mm-hmm. far this season oh my 
goodness me. Now that they've won the championship, I, I wonder if they play a little bit freer, the Bucks this season, because, the, 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 you know, Budenholzer's not worried about his status going forward. Certainly, he's not going to get fired this season no matter what. You know, he was kind of always on that hot seat, the perennial hot seat last season, even through the playoffs. Now they've won, they extended him. Giannis is looking great. They've got that sort of playoff um, uh, confidence, that team, that, that continuity I like as well. They bring back basically everyone except for PJ, of course, who's left. So I can sort of see the Bucks playing so well, cruising like they don't have any of that drama that, like, I, I think one thing, as good as Kyrie, uh, as, as Kevin Durant and James Harden are, and they can win 60 games without Kyrie, that cloud of Kyrie hanging over could just cause some sort of internal chaos on that team as well. Maybe he comes back, maybe he doesn't, I'm not sure. But I think the Bucks are kind of just playing now like with house money a little bit and I think that could help Budenholzer's case if they are the only team to win 60 plus games that tends to you know favor into uh, factor into who becomes the favorite to win this award so he's won it a couple of times he won it in Milwaukee won it with the Atlanta Hawks I think he can probably just do it again simply because the Bucks can cruise their way to 60 wins Good point from Ziggy here who says that Bud going for a third coach of the year will be tough Currently, Lee, there are three coaches in NBA history who have three Coach of the Year trophies. Do you know who they are? I'm guessing Popovich. Yep, that's one. Phil? Nope, not Phil Jackson. Pat Pat Riley? Pat Riley, and one other one, a big-time coaching name. Don Nelson? There you go, buddy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's a good point. It it is a sort of award. You know, a narrative could come in. Let's say the Portland Trailblazers win 45 games. Well, Chauncey Billups might just get it in that first. And uh, Thibodeau had a good season last year. If the Knicks win 50, maybe he gets it as well. So there are are definitely uh, a lot of candidates. And it sort of comes into the story and how you feel about the team and did they surprise. But I also sort of think that if you you can crack that 60-win category, that almost kind of makes you the default favorite just by that because, you know, there's a lot of... Like, Eric Spolstra isn't a fantastic coach, but when he's got a good roster and a good team, and, and I just don't see the, the Heat winning that many games anyway, even though we know they're going to be a very a very well-coached team, maybe just doesn't get quite the recognition because uh, he's gotten it in the past as far as, uh, you know, he's won a couple of championships and he's been there forever. So we'll see we'll see but uh i'll take bud bit boring but i sort of feel he's probably the favorite because i think the bucks are going to have the best record this season the bucks are going to win so many games this season it's totally true especially because yeah they're they're going to feel real confident going into the season they're going to feel free and they have a leader who doesn't take games off in Giannis Antetokounmpo so uh, they they have obviously what they've had you know the last few years a, a very very good team uh, yeah, plus just feeling good going into the season. And, yeah, Giannis is uh, taking the ball up top and <laughs> just driving in, uh, you know, giving a little little shoulder shake to a guy. He's off of him and then just turns and hits a shot. I mean, if he's got that in his game, then I regret my MVP pick of Nikola Jokic. Then it's Giannis <laughs> is, is going to do it again. And, and if yeah. he plays anywhere near 80 games, uh, that's going to bode well because, you know, some of the other guys, like, Durant or, you know, the, the big guys in the West will take some games off. And Yanis just doesn't sit. The guy played with half a leg in the final. So it's, uh, yeah, bodes yeah, the, the Bucks, The Bucks pick and Budenholzer, it, it could happen. It could happen. Unless there's a better story. And I think the Hawks and Nate McMillan could make for a little bit of a better story. If the Bucks don't win a ton of games, uh, I, I think the team that uh, they face in the conference finals, the Atlanta Hawks, will get 
back up in those the top of the, the, the four, and if they fight for for the third spot behind the Bucks and the Nets, I think you can make a case for Nate McMillan. Even though he got some votes last year, I think people will understand. Okay, well maybe that this team is for real, and we should give some more votes to Nate McMillan. It, it, even if it, it, let's say the Sixers, who are the third best team uh, in the Eastern Conference. Even if they don't have Ben Simmons for a good chunk of time, if you just look up in the standings and the Hawks are fighting with the Sixers for the third seed, I think that'll push some votes uh, into Nate McMillan's way. And uh, you know, Trey Young, I think is is a legitimate leader in this team in this league. So I think they're going to be up there, you know, with with the better teams. I think John Collins has really grown into a guy who doesn't care about his stats. And there's so much talent, just one through ten. As I mentioned on the bench there, they've got DeLon Wright and Lou Williams and Cam Reddish and Kevin Herter and Daniil Gallinari and Gorky Jang. That's six guys who are really, really solid. So how can they lose games? They should be up there in the East. Uh, they got to be battling behind Milwaukee and Brooklyn if Nate McMillan is going to win this thing. Uh, but I think this is a legitimate team. I know there's a wide-ranging opinion on the Hawks. Maybe they're not that good. But I believe that last year is no fluke. So Nate McMillan, he's he's got a good shot. He's got a good shot if they win. How mm-hmm. many games do they have to win? It has to be a lot. It has I think to be fifty. I think fifty plus. Yeah, I, yeah. I think over fifty. I think, the, I think the fifty is the sort of minimum that he would need yeah. to win because that that's that sort of benchmark of like, okay, you're a you're a legit team if you win fifty. You know, you don't just stumble your way there. But then, you know, if he can any anything over that will really help his case. And uh, yeah, I, I think I agree. I don't think it was a fluke, but you just never know sometimes until they get out there on the floor and play those games. <laughs> uh, last year, just a reminder, it was Tom Thibodeau, Monty Williams, and then Quinn Snyder, one, two, three. And that's who Skeets uh, chimed in with. He thinks Quinn Snyder will win his first coach of the year award. Understandable. Uh, it is... Uh, a little bit nutty when you look at the standings last year and you see that the Utah Jazz won 52 games in a shortened season. They could easily win 60 games this year. So Quinn Snyder, a good candidate in the Western Conference. Speaking of the Western Conference, after the break, we'll get to the surprise playoff team selections from us in the Western Conference. And we'll make our NBA Finals prediction here on the last preview before the season begins. (laughs) we got to take a quick break. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, we're back, baby, to answer question 30 and 31 of our preview cues. We're doing 31 questions. Feels good to do that many and not 72 or 82, what we used to do. I think we started with 82 back in the starters days. 
And then we decided that's too many. So uh, <laughs> I know it, I know it lines up well with the the number of games in a season, but let's just do yeah. seventy two instead. We thought that was acceptable because that's how many games they should be playing in the regular season. But do you guys prefer uh, seventy two or thirty one? Oh, 31 for sure. It's crazy to think we were doing like twice as many questions with half as much time to yeah. actually talk about them. It's, How do we do that? Throw them on the hot it's a seat. Great question. <laughs> yeah. 31 slow, long questions. Yeah. Work for Baskin Robbins. <laughs> Love me a Baskin Robbins. <laughs> Love me. There's an extra N in Baskin. Is, is there? I think. <laughs> what, what do you mean? Like, like double N. two ends at the end? Yeah. Or am I? What am I thinking of? No, I don't think so. No, I'm wrong. What am I thinking yeah. of? I've been robbed. Rob, Robin's of my know. sanity today. Is yeah. it? Is it the extra A in Hagen does? Is that what you're thinking? Ooh, okay, yeah, sure. Or the Bernstein Bears? <laughs> <laughs> Not sure. No, Kendrick. Sure. None of that. But I don't know what I'm thinking of. <laughs> anyway, um, let's move on. Question thirty. Surprise playoff team in the Western Conference, Trey. Who you got? I thought this was actually kind of a hard question because you look at the standings from last year's Western Conference. Nine teams were over 500. The Jazz, Suns, Nuggets, Clippers, Mavericks, Trailblazers, Lakers, Warriors, and Grizzlies. I assume those nine teams will still be playoff slash play-in teams. So there's a 10th spot open for the Spurs, Pelicans, Kings, Timberwolves, Thunder, and Rockets. If I'm choosing, this to me does not seem like a surprise team because they're going to make it into the play-in tournament and likely be eliminated after one game. I guess give me the Timberwolves. Ooh. But I, yeah, I guess so. I, I don't know. I mean, that's impossible to choose, really, <laughs> between the Kings, Pelicans, and Timberwolves because we know Zion, it seemed like he was going to miss the start of the season. And now David Griffin is saying... He will be back during the regular season. Mm. So what does that mean? Mm. Literally no idea. I'll believe the Kings make the playoffs when the Kings make the playoffs. So kind of by default, I think the Timberwolves have the best, best player of those teams between the Pelicans, Kings, and Timberwolves in Carl Anthony Towns. Uh, as we've seen already this week, he's looking extra ripped. He's been putting in the time in the gym, and he's ready to have a bounce-back season. Year two of Anthony Edwards, I assume that will be – pretty solid as well so give me the Timberwolves getting to number 10 but the big surprise for me I think the Portland Trailblazers are going to be a play-in team rather than a straight-up playoff team they finished tied with the Mavericks Blazers and Lakers last year but the Blazers got the sixth seed because of tiebreakers and things of that nature the Blazers though to me they got bailed out so hard by Damian Lillard last year they finished 42 and 30 but they could have easily finished with five or fewer Five fewer wins just because Lillard was so money uh, in the fourth quarter, hit so many big shots. If he misses a handful of those, if their team takes on an injury to anybody in the starting lineup, which seems to happen every year with the Blazers, they're in the same spot they were last year, looking at some tough stuff, uh, competing with a pretty thin bench. So give me a surprise that the Blazers make it to the play-in tournament, and I'm thinking they'll show up showdown against the minnesota timberwolves mm. this guy's calling it he's calling it uh lee who you got as your surprise it is tough it is tough because i think it does come down i have basically going to put a line through the pelican zion this uh this prognosis that we heard yesterday just does not sound good uh he could be out for 
another six weeks potentially and if he's just gone for that long I just cannot see the Pelicans staying afloat in the Western Conference so I think it and I don't think the Thunder obviously this season are going to make it and the Rockets neither so I think it comes down to the Kings and the Wolves I'll take the Kings you know (laughs) both of these teams you want them to have one of those seasons you know (laughs) where they just finally break through and win you know at least 500 basketball because I think De'Aaron Fox was close to the All-Star team last season I think he can be there again and and if they can just clean their defense up just a little bit and win just a handful of those games that they that they lose because their defense is so bad, 31 and 41 last season, if they can win, you know, if they can get to 500, then they're almost a lock, you would think, for the playing tournament. And perhaps they could even squeeze in to the uh, that top six spot. Probably not with only 41 wins, but you just want to see finally some progress there uh, and get Luke Walton off that hot seat. See some consistency and stability because that's what's really engulfed both of these franchises the last, well, decade, if you like, if you want to go even <laughs> longer. Years, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, there's coaching changes, there's front office changes. The Timberwolves, of course, firing Gerson Rosas only a couple of weeks ago. That's not idea. They've got new ownership coming in. So, you know, Kat's at that stage of his career where if things don't, if, if his team isn't starting to win soon, maybe he's going to be on uh, on the move. I know I've sort of talked about that in the, in the years gone by, but Kat's also had his own issues in terms of staying on the floor. So, you know, I, I think Anthony Edwards, yeah, I, I think with he and Kat there, they're a better team than they were last season. If Anthony Edwards can uh, continue his progression, they'll be good. But I'll, I'll, I'll pick the Kings because someone sort of has to. And uh, I just hope, I hope they can just get it together because they are, they, they're not a bad, they've got players you enjoy watching. It's just, uh, it just seems that some sort of internal drama happens and derails that team as well. But uh, if they can keep it together, maybe the Kings can... Uh, Give us, give us a 500 season. That'd be great. <laughs> uh, you said drama. Going back to the Pelicans drama there for a second, I, I just want to chime in on this. I hate that they didn't tell us that Zion Williamson had foot surgery in August or whenever it was. He, he got the injury or he sustained the injury in August and then he had a foot surgery. Didn't come to light. Didn't come to light until media day when David Griffin said, yeah, yeah. Our best player had surgery. No big deal. He'll be around. And now, as you said, Lee, not going to be playing uh, at least until a week, probably two, probably three, uh, into the season. He's going to be reevaluated two weeks from now, meaning he's definitely going to miss the first mm-hmm. week and, and likely to miss the second week. And, uh, you know, we talked about it in the uh, in, during our previews. Skeet said uh, the reason why it wasn't mentioned was because they wanted to sell season tickets. Sure, but now you're just sowing distrust with the fan base. I, I, I would sit there as a season seat holder and say, you know, you've, we've gone through so much as a franchise, so much this past decade. I understand we're in this uh, era of transparency where everybody wants everything transparent, and I, I sound like uh, you know I want everything revealed to me. No, I just want to know if my star player as a fan sustained a pretty prominent injury get out in front of it and now it looks worse uh, to me and and, mm-hmm. and i think that's it's just a snowball effect uh, with mm-hmm. management so i well I, and griff uh, griff yeah he kind of tried to talk his way out of it a little bit by saying you know the regular season meant any time during the regular season that's not really the way it was interpreted when he first said it he'll be he'll be ready for the regular season so He's, uh, I think he's probably feeling the heat a little bit there, Griff, because they certainly have underperformed since Zion came along. 
uh, haven't really been able to get that team moving in the right direction, and now this is just another blow to them. So, yeah, this is a this is a tough season for the Pelicans. I guess they wanted to sell more season seats between media day and uh, opening night. In the <laughs> so I guess that's why he said it that way, Lee, uh, and he didn't go all in and reveal everything. For my pick. As we back up the truck. Uh, <laughs> I think that's me. <laughs> Loading up the leaf blowers. Here we go. Uh, I am taking the Minnesota Timberwolves as well. I'm going to go against every bone in my body and just go with the heart. <laughs> yeah. Because it sure feels like I picked the Minnesota Timberwolves as that team to finally make it. For Carl Anthony Towns to finally lead a team into the postseason. That Jimmy Butler year aside. Carl Anthony Towns has to do it himself, and I think this is the year. It's got to be a bounce-back year for him. The man GMs voted the number one player they wanted to build their team around in 2016 and 2017. Well, this is the year. This is when he does it. They're 12-13 and 13 in their final 25 games last season. Okay, all right. It's all right. And they have a winning record when D'Angelo Russell and Towns have played together, 13-12 and 12 since Russell was acquired a year and a half ago feels like even longer than that. So they haven't played and a lot. They've played together. 25 games together in a year and a yeah. half. That is that's wild. Yeah, it's only <laughs> it's been 77 games, but yes, to have a winning record, that's very solid. It's surprising. The good buds they just haven't played a lot together. Um, Anthony Edwards, he's good. He's grown. If you haven't heard, uh, he's he's going to come into his own. The questions are: Is a Carl Anthony Towns team going to play defense? Are they going to stay healthy? And who's going to play forward for that team because they have a huge hole at both spots. Yeah. But I think you can get around that. You've got Patrick Beverly. Maybe you start him with D'Angelo Russell to insert some defense, move Edwards up. He's grown, I've heard. Uh, so he can play a small forward. And then you started Jared Vanderbilt, a defensive-only guy. His name is V8. We heard him at the beginning of this show, Vroom Vroom. It's a great nickname. Get him into the <laughs> starting lineup. You play defense. Or you start Malik Beasley. Guy who had 20 points per game last year. And move, you know, him and Anthony Edwards are the two, three, whatever you call it in this positionally, positionless, positionless basketball era. They're not going to play defense at all, but you know, I, I, I feel like there are options, anyways. Uh, Malik Beasley's probably best as a sixth guy. He's, he had a wedgie last night. We actually we tweeted mm. it. Malik Beasley was the guy who stuck it on a floater. Nice. Yeah. So uh, lots of fun there on the Nets broadcast, by the way, Sarah Kustak and. And Grady having a blast. Anyways, Coach, coach Chris Finch, will, I think, will figure out the lineups because uh, he's a very good coach. But uh, I don't know. I don't know if they can get to 500. If they're on the floor, if Carl Anthony Towns can stay healthy, I hope it's a bounce-back year for him, especially with everything that happened to him personally. And, uh, yeah, the Gerson Rosas thing, not a good not a good, not a good, thing. But I don't think it's really going to factor in onto the floor all that much. Uh, maybe they'll rally around it. Who am I kidding? Uh, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Rose-colored glasses over here. They're not gonna. They're not gonna rally around their uh, front office exec being fired. But hopefully, it comes together for Towns and the team. So this seems like the last chance that we're gonna have to talk about the San Antonio Spurs on this preview <laughs> podcast series. They seem kind of lost out there in the Western Conference for the first time in a long time. They finished 10th in the West last year, just a couple of games ahead of the Pelicans and Kings. They got into the play-in tournament, obviously didn't do anything. DeRozan, now a Chicago Bull, Marcus Aldridge went to the Nets at the end of last season. Any optimism for the Spurs? Uh, what are you looking for if you're a Spurs fan this season? Well, I mean, I like DeJounte Murray, Derek White, uh, Lonnie Walker. He's 
pretty good. So I think they've got some decent sort of, you know, backcourt swing players there. And Pirtle, you know, he's not bad in the middle there. And they've got the big Australian Jock Landale as well uh, on the team. <laughs> so, uh, you know, you know with, with a Greg Popovich team, they're not just going to completely stink. It just doesn't feel like they have that that power on either end, though, to really sort of get back into the mix in the Western Conference. But you know they'll just be hovering around 500 for most of the season. And uh, it feels like, you know, that the Spurs also realised they had to move on from some of those older guys and start with a new team. So, you know, look, DeJounte Murray is an incredible defender. You know, he's he's got the, the all-star uh, potential there. And Lonnie Walker, when he was playing last year, looked great as well. So they've got the talent, but uh, just don't think they're deep enough as, as we normally expect from a San Antonio Spurs team. And just lacking that real, you know, that extra firepower. Yeah, they don't have a Vladimir Guerrero Jr. either, unfortunately. <laughs> right, yeah. But if, uh, if the Spurs somehow get into the play-in tournament, you might be looking at coach of the year number four for Greggy mm, Poppy. Mm, possibly, we yeah. see. Yeah, and they moved on from their vets. If, if you're going to play the, the, the smart Spurs organization card, they moved on from their vets because they know that their young guys can step up. And if you're watching any of their preseason stuff, you see that Lonnie Walker looks like his game's evolved. Like he's got sidestep threes and looks like a guy that they can rely on because the other guys, after getting rid of DeMar and, and Patty Mills and Rudy Gay and Gorgie Jank, and, and DeJounte Murray... And Keldon Johnson, who's, who's who I love, uh, the way he attacks the rim. I don't know if they can be, you know, guys you really rely on on the offensive end to create their own shot. I think it's going to come down to Lonnie Walker and a healthier Derek White. Uh, but there's, there's, yeah, there's a lot of names there, obviously, that hardcores know. As you said, Trey, they uh, kind of float under the radar or... or, or, or Nobody really talks about them. That's just the way it is. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be even less so now without DeMar DeRozan and Marcus Aldridge gone during last year and, and the vets gone. Now no one's going to talk about them other than the, the basketball geeks and the, the diehards of the world and Spurs fans, right? They are going to, they're going to be in that mix for the, the 8, 9, 10, 11 seed for sure. I think they're good enough to be in that mix. Um, but, yeah, unless they really overachieve, we won't be talking about them. Yeah, I can see us talking about the Spurs for this reason, which Mikhail mentions in the stream team. They added Manu Ginobili to the bench as a coach. I had forgotten about this, but Lee, I imagine we'll see something uh, Manu-related at some point from you in the Spurs this year. Oh, yes, yes. I'm very excited to have Manu back in the league. He took a couple of years off. He went bike riding with his kids. He went up to uh, British Columbia and checked it all out, and I think he's now refreshed, and he wants to get back into the game. (laughs) He's uh, feeling good. The league is a better place with Manu Ginobili back in it. I got one more question for you guys before we get to our NBA Finals predictions. Actually, it's specifically for Trey. Since we don't do 72 anymore, let's just add a couple in here. This question comes from Rich Burdett in the stream team. Why does it look like Trey is in the lobby of a strip mall health spa? (laughs) Yeah, we've been looking for studios around Atlanta. And for me... The best place ended up being the health spa. You know, I can record <laughs> record the episode, uh, and as soon as we're done, get a, a little bit of a massage afterwards uh, to loosen up for the rest of my day. There's your answer, Rich. Yeah. Right. Wellness, exactly. <laughs> All right. Uh, final one here, unless uh, somebody out there in the stream team has got something else smart to say. We won't squeeze in another question. This is our last one for our... Our fifth preview. We'll be back next week, though, every single day. And it's the big one. NBA Finals predictions. Give us your teams, your champ, your finals MVP, whatever you got, Lee. 
Yeah, so that's uh, a tough one. I mean, uh, in, in the Eastern Conference, I think obviously it comes down to the Bucks and the Nets today. I think those are clearly the two best teams. And uh, again, Giannis, maybe it's just I've been seduced by his uh, preseason shooting. But man, it's different. It's completely different. He's stepping into those shots. He's only taken five seconds at the free throw line. It just looks so much smoother. If, if Giannis plays, you know, as good as 82 games and is shooting the ball the way he is, I think the Bucks are the uh, automatic favorite in the Eastern Conference. I think even with the Nets, as great as they are, with Kevin Durant and James Harden there, I've got the Nets uh, second right now to the Bucks. So I think Milwaukee makes it from the Eastern Conference. And then in the West... There's so many questions. Like the Utah Jazz have had the best record, but again have had a playoff disappointment. The Phoenix Suns, can they repeat? Was last season a little bit of a high watermark? Can they get back there? Are the Lakers that good? I'm not really buying them. The Nuggets without Jamal Murray don't seem like they can legit contend yet. I think they need to get Murray back there. But it has to be one of those teams, doesn't it? I mean, the Clippers. <laughs> Clippers are missing Kawhi Leonard, but they played incredible take us basketball. Through all the teams. Oh, no, I'm just saying, hey, what about this team? You know, uh, someone from the Western Conference there. Um, because, again, I thought Paul George and Ty Lue's coaching when Kawhi went down was incredible. I think they just ran out of gas in the end against the Phoenix Suns. So the Clippers are a good team. They're in a, a sneaky good spot, too. We were kind of like just dismissing them because Kawhi's not there. But they can easily, I think, get to 50 games still and be another threat, especially if Kawhi comes back for the playoffs. So, Oh, you know what? I'm going to talk myself into the Clippers. Give me the Clippers in the Western Conference. Why not? What? <laughs> yep. It's funny you say that. that. <laughs> I, that's, that's who I'm taking from the West. I know it's crazy, um, but yeah. I, I really believe in Ty Lue. They're, if they're a road team, it yeah. doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> good point. They're good. Road court advantage. Uh, they're good on the road. Yeah, Ka- Kawhi has to be back healthy at some point. And, and, uh, they keep it under wraps. It could easily be midway through the season, and they would still be a, a four, five, six team. What they found in Terrence Mann, they're deep enough uh, to be in that mix. It would be a low seed for a team, obviously, to get back to you know to the conference finals, even and then and then the NBA finals. But they they kind of overachieved last year, and I, I think it's not a regular four, five, six team because you're adding a, one of the best players in the game midway through the season. Uh, with Kawhi Leonard, so I think I, I, I'm, you know, it's it's one of those things. There's so many teams in the West that could make it, and I think uh, the Clippers' chemistry is real. Uh, as as you know, much as people want to rag on the Clippers, they made the conference finals last year, and uh, they were very very solid. So I, I'm buying that they're, you know, they're, they're they're not talked about, but they're also not talking, and that's that's a good thing. I think they're just they're keeping it all together right now. So I think they get there, and and. I'll finish off my pick. I think it's the Nets um, in the East that get there. I think we're going to see the best offense in NBA history. They will just absolutely not be stopped. James Harden is uh, feeling good. And I'm going to take uh, my finals MVP. I'm going to take Kyle Korver because you mentioned Manu Ginobili's on the Spurs bench. Kyle Korver is the Nets shooting coach. He's like a player yeah. developmental guy. He's gonna, Solid shooting coach. Yeah, it's pretty solid shooting coach. He's coached some real stars in this league like Lee Ellis. Uh, back yeah, in I the will day. say, I will say, I will say, he's only a part-time coach. Yeah, sources close to the situation inform me that he's only uh, going to be there part-time. So, well, are your sources yeah. are your sources writers because they've been writing that like Alex Schiffer on the <laughs> the athletic writer. Yeah, he's 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 driving in. At, you you see him, Lee, uh, dropping off his kids. He's got to take care of his kids. He's got he's got five kids, right? Uh 
don't think he's got five. Oh, okay, well, no. I just added a couple. No. I don't know. Maybe yeah. he's probably got... Yeah, Kevin, James, Kyrie, Joe, <laughs> and yeah. Nick. Yeah. Nick, yeah. He's working with Nick, according to Alex Schiffer. He's working with Nick Claxton. If Nick Claxton can break through and be a, a player for that team, that's exactly what they need. Anyways, I think the Nets beat the Clippers and the real MVP is Kevin Durant. Going simple, going boring with the finals MVP, but... Uh, uh, yeah, the Nets are just too good. IMO. Who you got, Trey? Yeah, RIP Michael K. Williams. I am chalky white on this one as well. Give me the Nets over the Lakers in a smooth five games with Kevin Durant taking home the finals MVP. When Kevin Durant has been healthy for the last three seasons, he's been the best player in the NBA. Uh, unfortunately, he's had a couple of injuries that have set him back, but when he's able to stay on the court, him and Giannis have been numbers one and two. So my finals pick is Nets over Lakers, but I think the real NBA finals is going to be in the Eastern Conference. Nets versus Bucks, mm. obviously, and I think that this year uh, the Nets are the team that comes out a toe ahead. They win in seven games <laughs> over the Bucks, setting us up for the rubber match in the 22-23 season. Uh, I think this is going to be a coronation year for Kevin Durant, kind of reminding us, oh yeah, this is Kevin Durant we're talking about here because for a guy who's going to go down in history as one of the 20 best ever, he flies under the radar a lot of times, and I don't think that's going to be the case this season. Yes, it definitely feels that Kevin Durant is going to put his stamp on this season after that, that playoffs that he had last year. And now that he's got a healthy James Harden back, it's kind of hard to argue against them, Kyrie or not, uh, in my opinion, but we will see uh, how this season progresses. And we'll be back on Monday to start talking about the news going on in the league. Maybe we'll talk about predictions that we regret or we want to change already. But we're back Monday through Friday. Basketball, 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 basketball. Um, also back is Skeets on Monday. And I'm sure we'll throw some non-basketball in there. You guys are taking care of the no, no buffs angle and Survivor going on. I'm sure there'll be a no breaks, the F1 uh, show that you're doing trade soon enough is there a break in the f1 uh, there's a break this weekend no race this weekend but october 24th is the next grand prix here in the united states mm. uh down in texas so yeah hopefully we'll be able to figure out a good time for a show next week great stuff we will see you next week monday through friday basketball is here clipper bros you heard it here first have a great time turn up love you guys awesome Thanks for joining us, and remember, use code NODUNKS at the Trey Kirby Salon for a free leg rub. <laughs> uh, shout out to Steve Bomber if you're watching on YouTube and you want to get creeped out, come enjoy this clip. Embrace the weekend, people. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. 
Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.